Welcome to another episode of the Historical Society of the New York Courts podcast series, where we discuss why legal history matters. My name is Bill Henricks. I am the Dean of Academic Life for the Bard Early Colleges in Bard High School Early College Manhattan, where students earn an associate's degree and a high school diploma, all tuition free. Today is Thursday, May 28th, and we're in for a fascinating discussion with Aaron Welt on the topic of his experience as a Judith S. K. teaching fellow through a grant from the Historical Society of New York Courts. He has been a fellow both in our Long Island City campus and our Lower East Side campus, and he's with us here today to talk about his experience. Aaron, I'm wondering if you could begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself and specifically what attracted you to the Judith S. K. teaching fellowship. Well, thank you, Bill, uh, Dr. Hendricks, for having me. I, as you just mentioned, I have been the Judith S. K. Uh, teaching fellow in the Bard uh, early high school, early college system for, this is my third semester. I began in the spring semester of 2019. And what first attracted me was I got a flyer in the, uh, I was a graduate student at the time in, uh, at New York University, and I got a flyer in the mail that we get. And uh, I was working on my dissertation on uh, the role of uh, organized crime, specifically Jewish organized crime, in the development of New York's uh, labor movement and industrial capitalist system. And uh, after reading this flyer about the Judith S.K. Uh, teaching fellowship, it seemed like a great opportunity to com combine that scholarship with, uh, with pedagogy and bringing those two worlds together as well as kind of sharpening my teaching skills in general, working not just with traditional undergraduates, but high school students who are doing college level material and so on. So I, I, it was a great opportunity to combine those two worlds, uh, those two kind of skill sets, you might call them. And then also I was doing a lot of research at the time in the John Jay Library, the uh, Lloyd Seeley Library which has all these transcripts of criminal court trials from the late 19th into the early 20th century. And even before I had received this flyer, I was thinking, you know, you could teach a whole history of New York City just by using these incredible court legal documents. And so it was very serendipitous when I saw this flyer. I kind of jumped at the opportunity because I wanted to put that idea into practice. And that's what I've attempted to do through this teaching opportunity over the past year now. And I think uh, it's, been, uh, it's been very rewarding for me. And hopefully, I think uh, my students have found it uh, a, a useful and rewarding experience as well. Great. For those not familiar with the fellowship, could you tell us a little bit about what it is and what are its goals? Yeah, it's a joint program sponsored, as you mentioned, by the Historical Society of the New York Courts and their emphasis on teaching the public about legal and court history, uh, specifically in New York State, how that's a core part of any kind of civic education curriculum, and uh, the Bard High School Early College uh, system, which is a, a terrific educational uh, institution with several campuses uh, in New York City and other cities as well in the New York area and outside. The first two years at Bard, the students do traditional high school curriculum. And then the second two years over the four-year program, they do college-level material, college-level classes. And so this program, the Judith S. K. Fellowship, Teaching Fellowship, 
brings scholars like myself to teach legal historical courses and other, you know, kind of educational programs to the students at Bard, focusing on the history of the New York court system, legal history, and a a variety of uh, subjects related to those things. Yes, I wanted to say that it's been a core practice for us because it really brings the college atmosphere to its full form by bringing in active scholars from the outside, specifically legal scholars highlighting the importance of New York case law in American history. It also inspires faith in and the study of the law amongst our students. And finally, I guess one of the biggest benefits is it creates materials for teachers who might not have had your kind of scholarly training that they can apply in their own courses. Yeah, and um, I can get into that more, but using the material from the Historical Society of the New York Courts has also been rewarding, very helpful to me as well. Even though I bring some historical material I use in my scholarship into the classroom, using those tools as well has been really helpful and enlightening. Uh, I've learned a lot. Great. One of the great sort of defects or deficiencies in modern education is the loss of civics and civic education. I'm wondering if you could talk about the importance of civic education, particularly the court system. I'm really glad you asked that because I actually didn't go into this thinking I would be doing that, those sorts of civic lessons. Um, but then as you develop the curriculum, you realize not just how useful and integral they are to the purpose of these courses, but how, how useful they are as a teacher and in just reaching students and getting them interested in these topics. So I kind of originally planned these courses as a sort of traditional history, you know, bringing up some historical turning points and then, you know, having class discussions and things like that. But then as I was really developing the syllabus and the the class programs and the class uh, activities, uh, we started, I I really kind of uh, tried to really bring out the kind of civic, active, participatory uh, activities as much as possible. So from week to week, I really tried to get the students to read about court cases, read about how the court system works, not just a supplement, but kind of a sideline, uh, a parallel course of structure for these students to learn as they're learning New York City history. So just to give you an example, perhaps a couple of weeks ago, we were learning about the progressive era in New York City, you know, pivotal moment in American history when the government starts to get more involved in the economy. There's all these campaigns against corruption. And, you know, what better way to learn about the progressive era of New York City than to read parts of the case related to the fire uh, that happened at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Pivotal moment in New York City history and the history of the progressive era. And then looking at the different characters involved in this episode, the students can really feel like they were there and part of that uh, civic discussion that was happening, you know, should the government start regulating factories, you know, how could this event have been prevented. And then also that week and in that section on the progressive era, we looked at the court case of People v. Becker, which was related to a kind of major crime that happened. This court case was an appeals case related to a, a police officer who was charged with murder related to issues of corruption. Corruption was kind of a major issue during the progressive era. And the students really get involved and they feel like they're part of the history. They really feel like they are trying to argue these uh, and work through these historical issues through a kind of civic engagement, civic type of lesson, the platform being these court cases. So it's a real great kind of 
dovetailing of these two key parts of, I think, any academic training, which is learning about history, but then also learning the different civic lessons, how the court system works, what effect do voters have on political change, our political system. Bringing all those issues together through these classroom activities has just been, I think, really successful, in my opinion. <laughs> So New York is not necessarily the center of the world, though it often no. feels that way. Uh, and New York state law has a disproportionate impact, um, which is part of what the Historical Society celebrates. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, the advantages of collaborating with the Historical Society of the New York courts, the guest speakers, field trips, all the things that that collaboration brings into your teaching. So every semester up until the current semester, uh, I've along with the Historical Society of the New York Courts, have organized a trip to the criminal court house in Lower Manhattan, where the students get to see in person the criminal court system in action. And this is always just very memorable, very, it's a great trip. It gets the students out of the classroom into the physical space where a lot of the civic and historical issues we've been talking about are playing out on a mundane and daily basis. And I think the students really gain an appreciation of what the system truly looks like. Its flaws, as well as its strengths, you know, the preconceived notions that they have before going into a court and the reality of it once they leave. One thing I think that comes up each time is when we go and visit the courthouse in Lower Manhattan, law and order is always brought up. The idea of court being, you know, law and order is, you know, somehow what it really looks like. And then they leave knowing, no, that's not what it looks like. Uh, it's a much more formal uh, process, much more uh, steeped in, you know, the kind of realities of what the law and the legal world really look like. And the Historical Society has been really helpful in arranging those trips, connecting us with the uh, docents and the people uh, who lead the tours there. And so that's always great. And then uh, I've been able to connect with certain speakers to come into the classroom to give more contemporary, modern lessons on what the court system looks like today. So uh, last semester, we had a speaker come from the Red Hook Community Justice Center to give a kind of lesson uh, to the students on uh, restorative justice, criminal justice systems, the kind of uh, reforms that have been happening with different court systems uh, to divert convicts from the criminal justice system, from the, uh, incarceration, from uh, the prison system. And that really brought home, I think, a lot of the historical lessons that we have been learning about throughout the course, looking at how it has affected reform today. And that tends to get students much more interested in these issues when they see how these issues have play out in the present day. And so the, the society has been really helpful in connecting the classroom with these outside classroom activities. I can also say one of my first years at ESEC Manhattan, we took 140 students to meet Justice Sotomayor, thanks to the Historical Society and some of their connections, which was a trip that changed many students thinking about the law, and I think made many of them think about a career in the law, which is one of the things this course certainly can do over time. Erin, you've taught this class on three occasions to three different groups of students, but could you speak a little bit about who your students are? The students are uh, come from 
every class, every opportunity they've had to teach this class, they come from a variety of backgrounds, different intellectual interests, different majors and minors that they're thinking about studying. And that helps, you know, in the chorus of class activities that we have, people putting in their own tuned sense about what particular uh, knowledge they might have and things they've learned from other classes that they bring into this classroom. So there's always one or two who are going to be lawyers. <laughs> they've already decided at 16, 17, 18 that they want to pursue a legal uh, education, which is great. And they tend to be, you know, very enthusiastic, engaged in the, in the material and so on. And then there are other students in every class I've had who are interested in larger social issues, maybe not in a strictly legal sense, but as activists or as concerned citizens and so on. And they always bring a, a, a vibrant enthusiasm to these issues, maybe not necessarily from, you know, the kind of lawyerly, uh, legalistic <laughs> interpretation of things, but th that kind of background is very helpful in a class discussion and classroom activities. And then you always have science students who, you know, they actually are really helpful too. Uh, I remember one time in class, we were talking about, you know, it, during the progressive era again, when the juvenile criminal justice system started to become this distinct legal realm from the criminal justice system of you know, people over 16. And uh, I asked, you know, why, what's the purpose of this? And a student who with a background more in science started talking about the uh, prefrontal cortex and, you know, brain development. And, you know, it's not the answer I was necessarily looking for, but that was the best answer one could really provide, you know, the kind of biological difference between older and younger people. But so it's, I, I've always found it really uh, helpful to have these variety of intellectual backgrounds coming into the classroom, because you do get those types of answers, and they inform each other, and they help students think outside whatever box they might have had uh, coming into the classroom. And so I, I hope they all leave with a added interest in history and legal issues, but I think it also reinforces the uh, intellectual interest they had before they came into the classroom as well. Speaking of when they leave the class, one of the nice features is there's a course evaluation, which means you get comments from students on their experience. What do you tend to see students saying they take away from your class? When I kind of think about it and then I ask the students at the end of the semester, what's their new horizon? What, you know, how are they gonna think of things differently? I think the one thing I get a lot is they think about the criminal justice system differently and how the role, you know, this idea of crime in a society, to think about it more critically, to think about it more uh, theoretically, that each chapter of history, who is being criminalized, criminalization, occurs based on the historical processes of those moments. And so it's, I'm really always hardened to hear students at the end of the semester that they think about these issues of criminal justice in a more historical, uh, longer view type of way, uh, not just tethered to the kind of current cultural biases and so on that we all have. A few students always get more interested in the law and the court system based on those are the types of historical primary sources we deal with. And then I help all of my students walk away with better research skills, better historical analytical skills, thinking about, you know, how do you mobilize historical evidence, legal evidence to make a compelling argument related to different social issues. So 
broadly, that's what I hope every student walks away with. But what I've tended to hear towards the end of the semester is this more critical approach to issues of criminal justice. And I like to hear that. On my end, as a dean, what I often see is students will take every other law class we offer. So once they've heard about the role of the New York courts and learned about New York City, they then want to learn about the Supreme Court or law and its role in literature. So the knowledge tends to build an interest in more knowledge. They realize they've gotten a first exposure and they want more. You've been teaching this course for three semesters, but you're teaching it in a new format as all of us are and as this conversation is taking place through distance learning. Can you talk a little bit about how your teaching has been impacted by distance learning? I can. And I think, you know, every teacher is going through this process of adapting to teaching through a computer, teaching through these online platforms, and trying to maintain the standards and the care that we give our students through this distance process. And of course, there are drawbacks. There are some benefits. And I think the thing you approach every class with is try and be as effective as possible. You know, it's new for everyone, but just try and walk away from the class knowing that the students learned X, Y, and Z, and that, you know, you've been as effective as possible. One major difference is that the students are in their rooms. And the thing I keep thinking about since the distance education has started is when you were young and you got in trouble, it's go to your room, right? And so the one thing I, I really try and fight against is that you have to draw them back into the classroom. You know, they're in their room. This is the space they probably spend a large part of their day doing non-academic things, doing their daily life. But, you know, you really try and capture them and place them back in the classroom as much as possible. What distance education probably forces you to do is really be more focused on time management. You know, this type of assignment, this class activity will take 15 minutes and then we'll move to this to that and then you also have to be flexible as well and you got to you know not just be a prisoner to the clock but also you know manage the time uh, as well it's easier for me to just kind of put a, a link into the chat setting on uh, platforms like zoom and so that's been really helpful you know I have all this online material material from the uh, uh, Historical Society of the New York Courts' website, which is a hugely helpful resource for teaching legal history in New York. I can just send that to them and be, you know, 10 minutes, we're going to read this and then have a, a discussion. So that's great. But then there's all, also these technical issues that you deal with. And um, students, they're with their families. They have to, I know some are looking after younger siblings, and that's just a reality. You have to kind of uh, work with. There's distractions that are in any sort of household. And so I think just keeping them engaged, keeping them with the mindset that when we're looking at each other through the computer, we're in the classroom together. You have to kind of also widen your skill set as to how to keep them engaged. And so one thing I've been doing from week to week is uh, bringing up modern articles, stories in the newspaper related to criminal justice and uh, how the pandemic has affected criminal justice in New York. And so, you know, you got to widen whatever type of uh, learning tools you're bringing into your toolkit and be prepared to try and engage them as much as possible. The pandemic uh, you just mentioned leads us to talk about how we're teaching this year, but also the future of teaching. I'm wondering what you see about the future of teaching. Are we looking at blended teaching going forward? Do you think remote learning is a worthwhile substitute? 
I'm not asking to be a prophet, but what do you see next? I think it's like the, uh, <laughs> the positive and the normative. I, I think the reality is over the next year, distance education will be a necessity just because of how uncertain things are. I think it, it's a reality that uh, it will probably be around in some capacity in the fall semester. My personal feeling is I don't see it as a future of education. And I've just mentioned some of the things I like about teaching over in this online platform, but just to reiterate the importance of the classroom. It, it is very important for students to be together in a structured uh, physical environment, engaging with one another, discussing in the kind of normal way, difficult social issues face to face. And I think especially in a legal history course like this, where you're dealing with very serious issues related to people's freedom, uh, how the court system uh, structures our politics, our economic life, deep issues that uh, students are, might experience in their own personal lives, being in that personal environment is very important. But I think distance education, the way that we've had to adjust to it, also demonstrates that it can be a good supplement in some ways. It maybe shouldn't disappear entirely. Maybe things like uh, office hours or more informal conversations with students perhaps can happen over, you know, this instead of just disappearing over the weekend, perhaps more informal kind of conversations can happen over online platforms. But my personal, and this is just me, my personal wish is to have everyone back in the classroom as safe and uh, healthy as possible. Um, that would be ideal for me. And I, I understand that others see it differently. No, agreed. I think many of us miss the community of the classroom and the, the close proximity to your peers. There are some positive takeaways. I'm wondering, as a teacher, what do you think you've learned the most or how you've improved as a teacher based on this distance learning format? I mean, that's a great question. It might take a, <laughs> some, some distance you know, from the, the semester to really fully appreciate all these experiences and what I've learned. But I think it applies to the physical classroom, applies to online education, is this concept of engagement that the students for, you know, however long uh, they can do it, to stay engaged with academic material is, is really important. And it, it really tests you as an online teacher when the students are in their, in their bedrooms or in their houses and their rec rooms and whatnot, making the material engaging enough for them to stay focused and stay with you uh, and to appreciate the importance, again, of these civic lessons. You know, these civic things are not going to disappear with this pandemic. Uh, you know, issues like constitutional rights and political participation, how our criminal justice system works. These are not going to disappear. And actually, I think as we've all learned, the issues come to the forefront in, during periods of national crisis. So keeping them engaged with those issues with all the distractions around them. I think over the past, since all this has happened, I think I've really, I have learned how to be more engaging and to be not just a teacher, but perhaps like a mentor. You know, you're there for the students. They, they can look to you for help outside of just strictly academic issues. I think this experience has really forced every teacher to widen their skill set in that respect, to really cover all these other bases 
that uh, perhaps before you weren't thinking so much about or did it when you needed to. I think this experience has really uh, made everyone step up to the plate a little more in all of these different respects. I hope to have some time to reflect uh, at some point on how everything has unfolded and then not just lose those uh, skills, but to, to harness them and to fortify them. Yes, unfortunately, once again, New York State is at the center of a major legal and uh, epidemiological situation. Namely, we are the most mortal state in the United States at this point. Um, and I'm sure the New York courts will be processing cases related to this epidemic, which our students will be able to do in a different way thanks to the class they've taken with you. I mean, I think doing it online has given you a window into their lives, but taking this class has given the students a window into New York State and its role. As we wrap up, any sort of parting thoughts on your experience with the fellowship and this semester? Well, I'll just uh, <laughs> do a little plug for the Bard early uh, high, high School Early College System. The students have uh, been phenomenal uh, this semester, past semesters. I was really surprised how well the students rebounded from the just unprecedented issues that they're facing. And it's just hardening as a teacher to get that response from students. So that has been great. And I mean, just like I said, and teaching whatever profession who's ever listening to this, <laughs> to hold on to the lessons we've learned through this crisis. And once it has passed to not just say, you know, well, that was when we were dealing with this uh, uh, pandemic uh, crisis, but you know, I hope we can all kind of really uh, hold on to those new skills, new sense of empathy, sense of professionalism that we've all had to really uh, hone and carry that forth even after all this has passed. So I, I think that's one thing I'll have to spend a lot of time thinking about once the semester is officially ended and um, we're, we're moving and we're looking forward to uh, future semesters as well. Well, Aaron, thank you for giving us a window into your teaching, your classes, and thank you to the Historical Society of the New York Courts for making this conversation possible today. Uh, look forward to continuing our conversation in the future. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Historical Society of the New York Courts podcast. Learn more about our educational programs, find lesson plans, and other curricular material and see how the society can work with your class or school on the Teach and Learn section of our website at history.nycourts.gov. That's history.nycourts.gov.